Hey, uh, we're in a series called White Flag right now together, and kind of the prevailing part of the conversation that we've been having together is simply this, that there's moments in life, there's junctions that you and I are going to come to when it's suddenly going to become absolutely clear that the best thing I could do, even though it feels contrary, even though my heart wants to do just the, that the best thing I can do is simply surrender, that to stop and raise the white flag and just go, God, look, I, I'm just done running from you. I'm done arguing uh, this point in my life, and I just, I just choose in this moment to stop running and to get caught by God, and, I, and I'm just going to raise my white flag. And we've been having this conversation together through the life of a guy by the name of Jonah, who is probably uh, the world's greatest runner. And we've been watching and chronicling what God does with him to realize what running does uh, for us. How many of you here ever ran away from home when you were a kid? Okay. All right. Many of us did that. And isn't it interesting that we kind of all have that common experience, that moment where we just looked at our parents and said, no, what, what you've just asked me to do, uh, you know, you want me to carry out the trash. And if I did that, it would ruin my life. And I'm just, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. And I, I refuse your authority. And here's my, I'm just going to run away from home. And it isn't interesting that moment. It was, it was more about running away from our parents than it was about running somewhere. I mean, many of us, we got down to the end of the uh, driveway and then we went, oh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going. I was just running away from uh, my parents. I got a friend who tells a story about his little boy running away from home. Uh, his son Jimmy was about eight years old, and it was getting close to dinner time, and Jimmy realizes they're having spaghetti that night. And so he turns to his mom, and he says to his mom, I want you to make me something else because I don't like spaghetti. To which my friend over here in this conversation said, no way. Uh, the family's having spaghetti. You're going to eat spaghetti. Well, it comes uh, dinner time, uh, the family gathers around the table, Jimmy's now where to be seen. And so he sends his sisters to go find Jimmy, and they start looking around, he's nowhere around the house. And so mom and dad get up, and they start looking, sure enough, no Jimmy. They go out in the backyard, they go out in the front yard, no Jimmy. And then it occurs to them, he's run away from home, and it's getting dark outside. And, you know, kind of that fear and anxiety level, you know, starts to rise up. And so mom gets in the car. She's driving the neighborhood. She's going, Jimmy, Jimmy. He gets on the phone. He's calling everybody uh, they know. Do you, have you seen Jimmy? He ends up calling the next door neighbor. And he says to them, hey, uh, by any chance have you seen Jimmy? He's missing. And the next door neighbor says, oh, yeah, he's over here playing. And he said something about having dinner over here. Uh, and, and, and so dad says, hey, would you, uh, uh, would you tell Jimmy that I want to talk to him? And so he can hear the neighbor as she holds the phone away, uh, calling through the house, hey, Jimmy, your dad's looking for you. And then he hears Jimmy's response back, yeah, but I'm not looking for him. <laughs> it's interesting about us runners that many times we felt that way about God, right? We knew, we knew deep down in our heart. The whole time we were running, the whole time we, we said, hey, wait, wait, God, I told you not to tell me that. I, I, I don't want to deal with that in my life. And in that moment when we just thought God had crossed a line and gone too far and we just said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, if that's what we're going to do, then I'm, I'm gone. And, and we took off. And we knew the whole time, right? We, we knew God was looking for us. We, we just weren't looking for him a whole lot. 
you and I are going to walk through a moment in Jonah's life where he just says, okay, God, you've asked too much. You crossed a line. I told you. I told you. I was real clear with you when I, when I you know, surrendered my life to you and became a Christian. I told you there were certain parts of my life you could have. There were certain things you could do. I got that that was part of the deal. But I was clear, God. I mean, I told you right up front, don't ever ask me to do that. If we're going to deal with that issue in my life, it's like 10 years from now before I'm ever going to be comfortable, maybe even 20. And so here's the deal. Just don't even go there yet. Don't, don't ask. No, no. And if you do, uh, you're going to cross the line in my life, and, and it's going to be heck to pay. And we come to that moment in Jonah's life when God crosses the line, when God says, hey, that's the thing. That's what we need to deal with. That's, that's the area of your life that I need uh, surrendered to me. And Jonah says, no. And he takes off running. And as you and I go through the story, here's why it's so powerful, guys, that even though this story happened thousands of years ago, you and I are going to see ourselves. And it's going to be like the story was about us. And, and the interesting part is that we're going to watch as Jonah runs from God, that, that runners go through steps. There's like phases of running. And many of us in this room are going to go, oh my goodness, I'm phase two. I mean, that's exactly what's going on in my life and my relationship with God right now. And, and you and I are going to see ourselves. And here's my hope, here's my hope, that before you and I have to run as far as Jonah had to run, that you and I would see the futility of running, that you and I would get that running never works, and that long before Jonah did, you and I would raise our white flags and we'd just go, look, I'm done. I'm done running away, and I'm ready to get caught by God, and I'm going to raise my white flag. So here we go. Let's look at the story of the runner, see if, see if maybe it's our story too. It's in the book of Jonah, which is in uh, what we call the Old Testament. How many of you put your ribbon in the book of Jonah so you were totally prepared today? Okay, so, all right, all right, so many of us didn't, so I'm going to help you one more time, okay? Because this is, this is one of those books of the Bible that you always hope the preacher never asks you to turn to, because you're going to spend the next 15 minutes trying to find it. So let me help you get there, okay? So here's the deal. If you'll go right to the middle of your Bible, chances are you're going to find either Psalms or Proverbs, okay? Turn to the right, and as you go to the right, you're going to run into two big books, Ezekiel and Daniel. Slow down, because everything after here is tiny books, Okay, so Ezekiel, Daniel, you'll see Hosea, Joel, real slow, 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 Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Okay, if you know your Bible a little bit, you can go to the book of Matthew, go to the left, but it's seven tiny books in, so go real slow, you'll find this book of Jonah. Okay, it's an incredible story about a guy uh, who runs from God. So it's Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and watch, watch as the whole running progression uh, unfolds for you and I. So it's Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed toward Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from God. Now, here's what you got to get. Jonah, Jonah is not a rebel by nature. I mean, Jonah, matter of fact, Jonah is a God-fearer. He's got a Jonah's in ministry. Jonah's in ministry, and he's been preaching. It's just that when he got into ministry, when he finally gave that part of his life to God, he said to God, look, here's the deal. I, I'm more, I'll do this, but here, I am not going to go preach to those Assyrians. 
Those guys are jerks. I hate those guys. Don't ever ask. Someone else can go do it for you. Just don't ever ask that for me. And if you do that, God, then, then you're going to cross the line. And now comes the moment. God says, hey, Jonah, I'm sending you to Nineveh. And he goes, whoa, 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 I told you. No, no. And if you're really going to go there, if you're really going to do that in my life, then I'm, I'm done. I'm, and he takes off. He runs from God. Now, here's the deal, guys. Some of us, some of us are runners. And, and, and as we kind of came into this relationship with God, we, we basically said, here's, here's the deal. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm willing, but here, just don't ask me for Nineveh. Just don't ask me to do that. Don't ask me to give that relationship to you. Don't ask me to put that habit, you know, on the altar. I'm, I'm, I'm no, look, I'm not ready to deal with that. I'm just going to be honest with you. So that's off limits. I'll do this, but you go there, and, and God, I'm just going to you and I are in trouble. And if you go there, I'm probably, I'm probably done. I'm probably checking out. And we started the run. There's two types of runners in the room. Some of us, some of us are like Jonah, and when we go to run, we do just the opposite. In other words, we say, God, you said this, I'm going to go the other way. You said, don't date him, I'm going to go marry him. You said, you said don't, don't be involved in that habit, I, I am going to, I'm going to like be the best at that. I'm just going to go 100% hog wild as far away as I possibly can. It's interesting when you read the story of Jonah, and you and I, it takes a moment to get this, but people reading this back when the stories would have gotten this moment exactly. Jonah, when he goes to run, heads as far away from what God has asked him to do as he possibly can. Here's the deal. Israel sits here in the middle. Nineveh, where God has just asked Jonah to go, would be in Iraq. It's 550 miles, ready, across land. He has to head due east to get there. In this moment, Jonah says, no, no way, God, absolutely not. And he, turned, he could not turn more opposite. He heads towards Spain. He hops in a boat and goes to the other end of the Mediterranean. He literally says, God, no, no, no. If that's what you're going to, then I am going to get as far away from you as I possibly can. And there are some of us in this room. And just you being here today, is kind of strange and anomalous because somewhere in your past there was a moment and you were kind of checking this God thing out or maybe you journeyed with God for a while and suddenly he said, let's deal with that. That's the next thing I'm going to ask you to give to me. And you just looked and said, God, no, no, no. You, you don't understand me in that area of my life. If, if, I, if I gave that to you, that'd be like eating spaghetti. And no, you'd ruin me. And you ran. You've spent the last period just getting as far away from God as you possibly could. You did just the opposite. Some of us some of us are run-for-cover runners. In other words, here's the deal. You and I run, but we don't necessarily run as far. Matter of fact, we, we just, we kind of run to hide. Because here's the deal. We know we still want God in our lives. We just don't want to deal with the issue that God is dealing with right now. 
And so all of a sudden we're sitting in church and all of a sudden the preacher preaches a message and you go, oh, are you kidding me? And, and you drive home, that's the worst sermon I ever heard. I'm not going back till that series is over. You have a moment in which uh, you know that God is touching your heart and, and you duck for cover. Your, your thought is simply this, maybe if I hide, maybe if I just kind of run a little ways away, then God will get onto something else and then I can poke my head back out. I've, I've got a pet chihuahua. His name is Zeus, uh, which is a lot of fun because I can stand in my neighborhood and go, Zeus, come here, and all the neighbors wait for this big great Dane to come, and then, and here comes our little chihuahua. But here's the deal with the Zeus. Zeus is pretty convinced that if I am standing up, something bad is about to happen. I don't know where he got that idea, I, but somewhere he's decided, you know, when Lynn is standing, bad things seem to happen. So if I come walking in the room, as much as that little dog loves me and we are great friends, I come walk in the room, he runs under the couch. Now here's the thing, he doesn't run out in the backyard, he doesn't run as far away as he can because here's the deal, he, he's, he's, he's under the couch and he's kind of looking up. He doesn't know that I'm not going to give him a treat and he doesn't want to be too far away for that, you know, and then he kind of like waits for me to sit down and then he comes, jumps in my lap and he, you know, and he wants me to scratch his belly. So he doesn't want to run so far away that he's not with me anymore, he just wants to duck for cover if I'm standing up. Some of us Christians are a lot like that. See, all of a sudden we go, whoa, 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 God. If you're going to get to that topic, if you're going to deal with that issue, man, I'm just, ooh, I'm ducking under the couch, you know, and, and, and when you sit down and when you relax and when we're not dealing with that, and I'll come cuddle up in your lap, man, I'll, ooh, man, you know, I'm going to sing and I'm going to, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to duck for cover during that moment of my walk. It's interesting, too, that a lot of times what we do is we try to appease God by giving Him, like, partial obedience. We go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to surrender that part of my life, but maybe if I gave God like a token of my obedience, then maybe he'd move on to another uh, topic. It, it's kind of like we do this, is, is we go, okay, look, that whole tithing thing, there's, so but here's the deal. I, maybe, I'll stick like a 20 in on Sundays, and, and then, you know, maybe you'll be happy, and, and we run back under the couch, and we wait to see if, if God will be okay with that partial obedience, and then, you know, he'll move on to another s- subject, and we won't have to deal with it. Uh, we, we feel deeply convicted that we ought to be serving in the church, and we, we go, wow, man, I, you know, I, I know I ought to be. And so, you know what we do? We, we go, look, here's the deal. Okay, okay, okay. I'll sign up. I'll sign up to serve once a month at the least convenient job that I can possibly do. And then we run back into the couch and go, you know, I hope, I hope he'll be satisfied with that in my life. Hey, I, uh, I, I know I probably shouldn't be uh, looking at some of the stuff I'm, I'm looking at. and so here, here, I, I won't bring any magazines into my house. I, I, I won't do that. And we hope that God will get on to another topic because when he does, then we'll come crawling back out from under the couch. But here's the truth, guys. Here's what you can't miss in the moment. You're a runner when God gets on the topic you don't like, you run for cover. Let me ask you a question. If, if you and I were just, if you and I could just sit over a cup of coffee and we could just have a moment of real honesty and transparency with each other. What's your Nineveh? 
what's the topic? What's, what's the thing that when God goes there, you get horribly uncomfortable? What's, what's that line in the sand that you go, look, God, I, no, no. And if you're going to deal with that right now, I mean, if, 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 if that's what's on the, no. You go there, God, you've crossed the line, and I just got to be honest with you. You keep this up, I'm running. What's your Nineveh? What is that thing that is so out of bounds for God that it sends you fleeing? There's a second phase. There's a second part of what happens to all runners. This is just what they do, and it's, it starts in, uh, back in verse 3 again. Here's what it says. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from God. Now, guys, here's the part I don't get. This, is, this part sounds great. Look, if you're fleeing from God, it seems to me the last place you want to be is on a ship. I mean, think about this. You're fleeing from the creator of the universe. He hung the stars in space. He created the entire world. And now I'm going to run from God, and I'm going to take myself and put myself in probably the most vulnerable place. I'm going to go on water as I run from God. I'm just thinking, here's the deal. If I'm running from God, I want both feet on firm ground. I don't want any caves. I don't want any cliffs or pits, and I surely don't want parachuting if I'm running from God. I'm going to play my cards close to the vast. And you go, Jonah, wait a minute. I mean, if God was going to, like in true, I mean, if God was going to, I mean, water? What, that, that's the plan? That was the next choice? I'm going to expose myself to probably one of the most dangerous things I could do. I'm going to sail in a tiny little wooden boat across the Mediterranean. That's the plan. And here's the second phase you just need to know. Almost always, when people flee from God, the thing they turn to do next makes no sense. You and I are left to watch someone and go, whoa, 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 wait, wait. You're, you're fleeing from God. You're telling God, and, and that's what you're going to do next? That? That's just, I don't, why would you choose that next? And let me tell you why this happens. Because when you and I flee from God, you realize you and I are fleeing from the source of wisdom in our lives. That the smartest, best counsel of our entire lives, and we have just turned to run. And you realize now that we are running away from the source of wisdom, there is no way for our eyes to see that because we're heading in the opposite direction. And you and I, when we flee, will often do the stupidest thing we could have possibly done next. It's a young man who says, look, I'm just, I'm just so tired of all the rules in my parents. I mean, do you realize my parents think I ought to have a curfew? I mean, how dumb is that? And, and they want me to help out around the house, and they've got chores for me, and I'm just going to tell you, I'm done. I am so over this, and I, I, I'm just, I'm leaving home. I'm leaving home. And you say to that young man, well, okay, so what are you going to do next? You're going to join the army. 
No, no, wait, 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 wait. You're tired of your parents' rules. You're tired of your parents telling you what to do. They actually want to give you assignments. Yeah. And your answer is, I'm going to join the army. Yeah. All right. It's a young lady uh, who says, you know, my parents, they just totally don't get me. They don't understand. I mean, my relationship with my parents, just, it's just, it's like we talk at each other. And we just, there's just no communication going on. I, I'm, I'm moving out. I'm, I'm leaving home. And you say, oh, okay, what are you doing next? I'm getting married. <laughs> yeah, because that's a lot easier, you know. He understands me. Yeah, this will be better. And guys, I'm just going to tell you that time and time again, you'll watch somebody when they turn into the flight mode, and the thing that they will choose to do, you'll go, wow, you're going to take that job? Whoa, 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 you're going to move away from your church and you're going to move to a whole new community. Whoa, 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 what? And people on the run make some of the worst decisions they could possibly make. I knew a church and they had a little gal who was on staff and working with their young people, and she was amazing. I mean, Amy was just one of these remarkable people that, that teens would come to be part of that youth program just to be around her. And uh, one day they were in a staff meeting, and the senior pastor of that church was kind of talking to his staff and saying, hey, guys, I just want to remind you, because it's good to always remind ourselves that when you're in leadership, when you're responsible, there's, there's just, you know, you and I are at a higher standard. And, and you and I can't ask people to follow Jesus and us not be leading the way. So I'm just going to remind you, I want you to be very careful the movies you go to. I just want you to be careful kind of the things you talk about and what you do. I want you to be very careful in your personal relationships that you're doing that which honors Jesus Christ because you're asking people to follow your example. And as he's saying this, he, he looks across the table at his staff and he sees Amy and he sees her head down and he knows. Body language says it all. And so he invites her out for a cup of coffee a couple days later, and he just said, Amy, what, what's going on? And she was honest. She said, uh, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend. And her pastor says back to her, hey, Amy, you, you realize you, you can't do that and lead young people talking to them about waiting till marriage because that's what honors God. You, you can't do that. And Amy, I, you're, you're going to have to step away for a while. As a matter of fact, her heart, his heart was that there'd be a moment of repentance for her, and then they'd work toward restoration, and that one day she might actually be restored because God was using her in such a powerful way. But he knew, he knew that she had to step down for a while. And Amy's response was, absolutely not. You can't ask me not to sleep with my boyfriend. It's, it's my body. It's my relationship. And the pastor said, no, Amy, 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 it's not your body, and it's not your relationship. It's Jesus's, and you can't do that and lead in the church. And she said, fine. And in that moment, she turned to run, and she just said, look, I'm done with the church. I'm done with all of my Christian friends. I am so out of here. And then she turned. Anybody want to guess what she did? She married the guy, despite the fact that he was 
a baby Christian, way, way, way behind her. There was no way that he was ever going to be her spiritual equal. Despite the fact that all through this, he'd been the guy saying, look, you tell that church to just blankety-blank off because they don't understand and they don't get it and they're just being restrictive and they're being a bunch of jerks. And guys, I'm just going to say out loud, you run into a young man who throws off authority. It's not because he wants to be free. It's because he thinks he's smarter than everybody in authority. And you let yourself be hooked to a man like that, you wait till he rolls out his authority and watch what a controlling guy he is. Marriage lasted two years. You know, the crazy part is Amy is still running. You know, you, you would have thought that after she ran to the worst place she could have possibly gone, and, and, and when it all turned out exactly like her friends had said in the church, it's, that she would have said, hey, well, you know, I get it now. But instead, you, you know what the answer was? Hey, when I was getting ready to do this, you told me not to. You said, hey, he's a, he's a baby Christian. It's not a, good, it's not a good match for you. This is only going to bring harm and hurt for you. Don't throw away what God's doing for you. And, and here's the deal. You didn't support me. Well, of course they didn't support you. You were getting ready to do the dumbest thing you could have possibly done from where you were. You turned to run and you headed towards stupid. Some of us in the room right now, you're saying, how did you know? How did you know that in that moment when I said, no, 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 God, no, uh, uh, not, not me, and that when I turned, I did, I did next the worst thing I could have possibly done. How did you know that I literally, my next choice was a choice that had all sorts of consequences and all sorts of chaos? How did you know? Because you're not the first person to run. And I'm just telling you, Often when we run, the very next thing we do is the worst thing to possibly do. There's a third phase. Back to the passage. It's verse 4. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 4. Here's what it says. You ready? Then the Lord. And guys, I'm just going to say, you need to mark that phrase because here's the deal. If you're a runner... If you've got an area of your life you're saying, hey, God, no, and not now, and, and you're running, here's what I promise. You will have a then the Lord moment. There will be a moment when God will push into your life, and then the Lord. See, when we run, we think we're running away from God, but here's what you need to know. Wherever you're running to, God is already there. And when you get there, then the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship uh, that threatened the ship was threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid. So get this moment. There's a storm. He's out. He's sailing in this boat. There comes a storm, and this isn't a no this isn't spring on the Mediterranean. This is a cra- This is supernatural storm. This is this is something you've never seen before. To the point that seasoned sailors are going, "Whoa, wow! There is there is something unnatural about the storm that we. This is craziness going on right now." The sailors were afraid, and each of them cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, get this, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down 
and fell asleep. The captain went down to him and said, how, how can you be sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Now, here's the third phase. Here's the third thing you need to know about people who run. When you and I are in the midst of running, it is super hard to connect the dots. That in the midst of running, all of a sudden things are happening. All of a sudden, you ready? There's a then the Lord moment in our lives. And you would think that we would go, oh, my goodness, this is, this is God stepping in. This is God showing up in my life. And runners have a really hard time connecting the dots. Look, look at what Jonah, Jonah's here. Okay, think about this. I am running from God. I am heading in exactly the opposite direction from what I should be heading. I have gotten on a boat to sail on the sea, and now a huge supernatural storm has showed up around our boat, and this has nothing to do with me. I mean, there's no connection there. There's, I mean, no, I mean, coincidence maybe, but, you know, no, storm, me, bleh, nothing. And you need to know that when you are in the midst of running, that the things which ought to be just absolutely obvious, then the Lord sent the storm. Moments. When you're busy running, it's hard to connect the dots. Yeah. This, is, this is a person who struggles to have good friends. And she would say to you, look, I, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, it, it's kind of like None of the healthy people will hang out with me. And I, I end up finding myself with friends that, I, mean, I just got to be honest with you, they're not the type of friends you want to have, and they're all, they're all kind of backstabbers, and they're just, gosh, it's just not the right group of people. But I can't get the right group of people to ever stay in my life and be my friends. I always have kind of this subpar group. And you say to her, hey, 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 is there any chance that because you are so deceptive that so often in your life you tell lies and you tell stories of exaggeration and you bend the truth, is it possible that healthy people who don't lie and don't do that have just said, look, I can't afford to be in her life, and they've moved on, and the only people who are willing to be your friends are other deceivers, they're other people who don't mind lying all the time. Is it possible that's why you can't find good friends? No. No, the, those two things have nothing to do with each other. I mean, why would you ever make that connection? It's the guy. Can't keep a job. Every about year and a half, he's, he's done. He's either being fired or he's quitting, and the story's always the same. My supervisor's an idiot. My supervisor just is the stupidest person in the world, and the, everything they do is just so wrong, so idiotic, and, and, and he constantly finds himself kind of stuck because every year and a half, he's having to make lateral transfers across, and his life just doesn't seem to be ever going anywhere. And you say to him, hey, well, dude, wait, 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 wait. Is it possible... Is it possible that you're filled with so much pride and so much arrogance that you just can't work for anybody else? That you're constantly belittling, you're constantly being passive-aggressive with your supervisors and not doing your job, and that's why either they come to the point of firing you or you come to the point where you have to… Is that possible that it's your pride that's the problem? Why would you think that? I mean, no. I mean, why would those two things ever go together? Because, because, you ready for this? People on the run have a horrible time connecting the dots. 
It's a couple, and they're struggling with intimacy. And there's just something that has left their relationship, and there, there's no longer this kind of pursuing one another. And, and you say to him, hey, is there any chance? Is there any chance that this loss of intimacy has something to do with your addiction to porn? And the fact that you're giving your emotional heart to a picture? Hey, what are you talking about? Porn has helped my marriage. What do you mean? It's the dad who gets frustrated in the marriage and says, look, I've been trying hard enough and my wife is just a crazy nag. I, I'm just done. I'm done. And he takes off. And now years later, he watches his 15-year-old daughter willing to go to bed with every 16-year-old boy so that she can have some form of male attention. He watches his son just reject anything that looks like authority in his life because he believes deep in his heart that authority is betrayed. And you say to him, hey, look, is there any chance that the behavior of your children and what they're going through right now has anything to do with the divorce and you leaving the family? And he goes, no. How would you ever put those two things together? And I'm just going to say to you, people on the run have a hard time connecting the dots. And this is critical because if you're not careful, you could be at a then the Lord moment in your life. See, the storm could be raging right now, and, and you're going, no, 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 no. The stuff that's going on and the chaos and kind of the consequences, are, that has nothing to do with my running. I mean, well, why would you think that? That storm has nothing to do with me. And guys, don't, don't, don't miss the moment because if, if Jonah could have connected the dots, you realize the most powerful thing he could have done in that moment is go, whoa, 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 whoa. I ran away from God. I hopped on a ship, supernatural storm, or about to all die. I, I think maybe I'm, I think maybe there's something here. And he could have gone up to the deck of the ship, gotten on his knees, and repented and said, God, I surrender. I'm done running. And here's why that is so crucial, because phase four didn't have to happen. Jonah doesn't, he's going to end up in the belly of a whale, and it didn't have to happen if he would have connected the dots and surrendered now. And I'm just going to say to you, there are some of us in this room, and you are literally days away from being in the belly of the whale. And if you would simply stop and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I think, I think what's going on here is a, it's just a direct result of my running from God. And, and the best thing you could do would be to raise the white flag and just say, I'm done running. I don't need phase four in my life. Phase four. It's back to the passage. It's starting in verse seven. Here's what it says. Then the sailors said to each other, uh, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for the calamity. They cast lots and they fell on Jonah. So what they do is they're saying, all right, we've got to figure out who this is. And they throw this, these dice and, and the dice show that it's Jonah. Probably not the best way to discern God's will, okay? But, uh, all right. And so they asked him, uh, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What, what are your people? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, 
and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land, which is where I wish I was now. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew that he was running from the Lord because he'd already told them that much. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, he says, and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will get calm. So get the moment. He's still not ready to raise the He's going, no, no, I'd rather die than surrender. Just throw me in. Instead, verse 13, the men did their best to row to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, which he wasn't. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. How freaky would that moment be? I mean, the ocean, you throw Jonah overboard. You can just imagine the sailors going, should we go pick him up? No, something's going to happen next. How crazy is it? Ready for this? How crazy is it that the heathens on the boat are connecting the dots better than Jonah's connecting the dots? And I'm just going to tell you that if you're running from God, you've got friends and you've got family, and they can see exactly what's going on and they're connecting the dots. And they've been trying to say something to you, and they've been trying to kind of speak into your, and you've been pushing them away. You go, no, 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 no. Truth is, I, I'd rather die than surrender. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, here's the deal. I know some of you are going, okay, this is the part of the story. I'm having a hard time with the big fish thing. That's okay, that's okay. Next week, we'll talk about the fish a little bit, okay? And if that freaks you out and if that's weird, it's, it's okay. Just hang on, okay? But here's what you need to get. God prepared the fish. You, you get what Scripture's saying is that God knew exactly where Jonah's boat was going to go. God knew exactly where Jonah was going to be, and he prepared a fish to be there. Guys, here's the deal. You start running from God, guess what's at the other end of running? A fish. See, God, Jonah gets to exactly where Jonah needs to get. I mean, God's sitting the whole time going, there's a fish, and that's, that's where you're going to be. And here's the thing. Inside the fish, how much running does Jonah get to do? And I'm just going to tell you, talk about the worst thing that could ever happen in your life. To be, I, I hate fish. This has got to be like torture. When I'm a little kid, I've got this aquarium, you know, and I would clean it like once a year, whether I needed to or not. And, and it would like turn brown. You'd have to, you'd have to, you couldn't even see the fish in there, and you'd walk into my room and yeah, just bad. And I'm just, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to a person is spend three days and three nights in a fish, if you're me. I got a feeling Jonah didn't like fish sticks either. And God puts, ready for this? God puts Jonah exactly where Jonah needs to be and where it's impossible to keep running. 
He's there for three days and three nights. Anybody want to guess which direction the fish was swimming? I got a pretty good idea it was heading back to Nineveh. And I'm just going to say to you that if you keep running, if, if you just keep going, there's a fish. See, there's, there's some of us in this room, and, and, and you're just so full of pride, and nobody can speak into your life, and, and you're just smarter than every. And here's what I'm going to tell you. God's going to give you the worst boss you've ever had. And they're going to be just, they're just, they're going to be so unreasonable because that's your fish. And while you're in the fish, he's going to teach you humility. He's going to teach you authority. You're going to run from God and you're going to go, hey, God, I don't care. I'm going to date the people I want to date and I don't care if they're Christ. He's going to let you get married. And you'll be in the fish. Some of us in this room, and you go, you know what, here's the deal. I like money a whole bunch, and I just, I just got a feeling that God maybe doesn't care about money as much as I care about money. And, and so here's the deal. I'm not going to follow God right now. I'm going to go make a ton of money, and then later on I'll follow God, but I'll have all my money in the bank, and I mean, what's God going to do then? And you wait till God brings a fish in your life that money can't fix. And the doctor says, we don't know what's wrong with your child. And all the money in the world doesn't matter anymore in the fish. You wait till you've said, God, I don't care, and it's just part of the industry, and you have to lie. That's what you do in, 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 in sales, and that's just, that's just part of what I'm, I'm going to do. Wait till the accusation comes. Wait, wait till it's false and there's nothing about it that's even true, but you've been accused, and now you go, no, 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 I didn't do that. I mean, I, no, 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 no. And no one believes you because you've sown such a path of deception. And you're in the fish. And there's nowhere left to run. And guys, here's what you need to hear me say. God doesn't bring the fish to get even. God doesn't bring the fish because he's trying to be cruel or prove a point. He brings the fish because he loves us. And he knows that what he asked us to do in the first place, the thing that we said no and the thing that we ran away from, was actually the thing that was going to fill our lives. It was going to be the best possible thing for us. And we ran away. And the fish, the fish is really a rescue. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles one last time really quickly and go to the left to the book of Proverbs. We're going to jump out of Jonah. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 simply says this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not, this is verse 11. Do, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And guys, I'm just going to tell you, the fish is not about God's anger. The fish is about getting us 
to surrender and come home. And it's God walking over to the neighbor's house and bringing us back. And there are some of us here today who need to stop running and raise the white flag. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come to the moment, and God, we're, we're just going to be honest. We are runners by nature, and there have been moments in our lives where what you pointed to, what you said we needed to do next, was exactly what we dreaded and feared you might do. And our instinct was to say, God, whoa, 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 you're going way across the line and you're, you're getting uh, way out of bounds in me. And I'm just going to run. <laughs> I'm going to get as far away from you as I can or I'm, I'm going to run under the couch and hope you move on to another topic and, and then I'll come out. And God, we've, we've run into the most confusing and crazy places. God, parts of our lives have begun to unravel and we suddenly realize then the Lord, then the Lord brought the storm, then the Lord brought my layoff, then, then the Lord allowed my kids to go sideways, then the Lord. And I didn't connect the dots, I didn't get that what I needed to do next was surrender. And God, some of us, some of us have run so far that we're in the fish and there's just no place left to run. And God, I just, I pray for us today. I pray for all of us runners <laughs> that today would be the day that we would just be done arguing. We'd be done negotiating. We'd simply surrender and raise our white flags. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen.